Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Greetings, human fools. How's it going? As you know, for every day of Black History Month, we are doing a new podcast, each one focusing on the first appearance of a black comic hero from the Bronze or Silver Age. Today we are going to be looking at a personal favorite of mine, possibly because he made his debut in the same month as me in the same year, but mostly just because he's kind of a rad character, in my opinion. We are going to be looking at Black Lightning. Black Lightning is a DC character. He is Jefferson Pierce, a former Olympic decathlete, which is weird. I've noticed when I was doing this that DC has three prominent, well, relatively prominent black superheroes whose origin is that they are Olympic track gold medalists. There's Amazing Man, who we covered earlier. There's a newer character called Mr. Terrific. And there's Black Lightning. Kind of weird. Interesting. Yeah, Black Lightning is definitely one of the more prominent black characters in the DC universe. He was the first DC black character to have his own comic title, and that was in 1977, which is certainly a lot later than Marvel. Marvel had Power Man come out in, I believe, 1972, and took DC a while to catch up, which seems to be kind of a common theme. They had had a few black characters premiere in the DC universe until this point. There was Mal, who was on the Teen Titans. There was Jon Stewart, who showed up as a Green Lantern for a couple of issues. There's Tyrock. But no characters that have been featured solo artists, as it were. And Black Lightning was the first one in that. And after we talk about the issue, I'm going to talk about the issue that almost was, because I learned about that recently, and it's pretty interesting as well. Yeah, Black Lightning was created by Tony Isabella and illustrated by Trevor Von Eden. There was a bit of a dispute as to whether or not Black Lightning was co-created by Von Eden and Isabella. Isabella definitely claims that he came up with the character on his own. DC was briefly crediting it to both. And I haven't been able to actually find Trevor Von Eden's thoughts on the subject. But Isabella states that DC a year later after the creation. And on the first issue, it does clearly credit Tony Isabella as the creator of the character, which is something that didn't happen very often in comic books at that time. He claims that the character was created not in a work for hire, but in a partnership with DC. And it was a year later when he tried to buy out the rights to the character from DC that they then started crediting Trevor Von Eden as a co-creator in an effort to muddy the waters of the ownership of the character. But Trevor Von Eden is still, as near as I can tell, we've got... 29 characters that we're talking about this month, and in those 29 issues, there are no black writers and only two black artists. One of them is Trevor Von Eden, who was 17 years old at the time, and the other is Arvel Jones, who illustrated Marvel premiere number 21, which saw the appearance, first appearance of Misty Knight. So, pretty unfortunate. Uh, it's, it's still harder to find black comic book writers and harder for them to find work, especially at either of the big publishers, which fucking blows. But back to Black Lightning. 
he, as I said, is a fairly major character. He was asked to join the Justice League in 1983, and he declined. He later, in more recent years, has joined the Justice League. He was a member of Batman's Outsiders, and has shown up in various incarnations of that series. He, in one of the more odd turns of his character arc, was briefly Secretary of Education under President Lex Luthor, which is just fucking weird. Yeah, so he's had a heck of a career going on. When the character first started out, he did not have any superpowers. He had a belt that he had designed that gave him a force field and later the ability to shoot electrical shocks. Later, that belt got knocked out and he got those powers permanently. And then they kind of amped up the electricity aspect of his powers and he ended up just controlling electricity. He apparently is an inspiration to the other character, Static who is a DC character who started under the Milestone imprint and has been more prominent in recent years, and I think within the fiction has served as a bit of a mentor to Static. So, that's kind of cool. Yeah, he's a, a neat guy. His name's Jefferson Pierce, which is kind of weird, because we'll, we'll talk about this at least briefly when we get to Jon Stewart, but the Jon Stewart Green Lantern, the initial name that they had come up for him, I believe it was Julie Schwartz, came up with the name Lincoln Washington. And Neil Adams saw that and was like, huh, I bet Denny O'Neill didn't come up with this name and came to Julie Schwartz and was like, this is a really stereotypical black name. Can we name him something else? Flash forward seven years when we meet Jefferson Pierce, named after a different two president's last names, which kind of weird. But let's get into the issue. Black Lightning, number one, April 1977, written by Tony Isabella, illustrated by Trevor Von Eden, with inks by Frank Springer first appearance of Black Lightning, in a story titled, As Near As I Can Tell, Black Lightning. Jefferson Pierce is one hell of a guy. He is a gold medal winning Olympic decathlete, an accomplished poet, and has a flair for electrical engineering. He's also pretty good at basketball. He decided to return to his old neighborhood and accept a teaching job at the school he once attended. Within minutes of arriving at Garfield High for his first day of work, Jefferson sees some creepy dude selling drugs in the hallway. The dude's mustache is way too full for him to be a high school student, so Jefferson punches the shit out of him and tells him to go away. Nice. Let's add good at punches to Mr. Pierce's already impressive CV. Later that afternoon, the versatile new educator decides to visit the gymnasium where he encounters Garfield's star athlete, a cocky but likable young man named Earl Clifford. The two bond quickly and are engaging in some friendly banter when they are interrupted by a group of armed thugs led by a weaselly young punk named Joey Toledo. Joey explains that the drug dealer Mr. Pierce beat up earlier is in the employ of a crime syndicate named the 100. He instructs his goons to break Jefferson's leg to teach him a lesson. Unfortunately for Joey and his underlings, Jefferson Pierce is in more of a mood to dispense education than receive it, and him and his young protege proceed to teach a course of their own, the lesson plan of which involves rather a lot of punching and kicking. Joey Toledo and his goons flee the gymnasium and report back to their boss, an enormous albino that Joey calls Mr. W, who seems equally fond of menacing his underlings and using oceanic metaphors. Mr. W, who we later learn is named Tobias Whale, is concerned that Pierce's actions may have damaged the 100's reputation. Joey offers to kill the teacher, but his boss feels that that would only make him a martyr around which the community would rally. Sounds reasonable. So instead, they run over Earl Clifford and leave his body crucified on the high school basketball court. Huh. You know what, guys? If you want to avoid making martyrs, maybe don't crucify people. Just saying. That's kind of basic shit. 
Surprisingly, the murder of his favorite student seems not to have a calming effect on Jefferson Pierce that the 100 might have hoped for. Pierce decides to retaliate and seeks vengeance upon the 100. Fearing that his enemies will try to strike back at him through his students, a reasonable concern given recent events, he decides he needs an alter ego. Remembering a poem that he, quote, wrote, unquote, that contains the line, justice, like lightning, should ever appear to some men hope and to other men fear, he decides to go by the name Black Lightning. You know, because he wants to inspire both hope and fear, and also because he's black. He has his old tailor buddy Peter, a Geppetto-looking dude who helped raise him, whip up a blue and yellow costume with a lightning bolt motif. To further disguise his identity, he wears a cowl with a built-in afro wig. Rad. He also designs a special belt that gives him a partial force field capable of deflecting bullets and the ability to electrically shock people. The newly equipped hero takes to the streets and starts dispensing two-fisted justice. Through a combination of detective work and thug pummeling, Black Lightning manages to track down that slimy piece of shit Joey Toledo. After roughing him up a bit, he has Joey schedule him a final confrontation with the 100 at the high school gym at midnight. Dramatic. And there we have the first issue of Black Lightning. It was really cool. It manages to strike a kind of film noir detective type tone through a lot of the captioning. Tony Isabella did a really nice work on that. And there were just some cool touches. I am a sucker for a cowl that has a built-in afro. I kind of picture Jefferson standing at home saying, These drug dealers are a, crim- are a cowardly and superstitious lot. To strike fear into their hearts, I shall don the mantle of a dude with a big afro. <laughs> but it is kind of interesting. There's also, he ends up talking in more slang when he is Black Lightning, which also kind of helps contribute to his secret identity. There's a really good article that Osvaldo Ayola, who's a friend of the program, wrote for The Middle Spaces, which I think it was, but about Black Lightning, and you should definitely check that out. It's a dual identity as superpower, something along those lines, but definitely worth reading, and you should you should check that out. And you should check out that space in general, because, uh, yeah, Middle Spaces, dope. Yeah, the reason I said, quote, wrote, unquote, is in the comic book, it says he was inspired to write that poem by the words of Thomas Randolph. Here's the thing. There's kind of an interesting backstory to that, because Thomas Randolph is quoted in Captain Marvel number 21 by Roy Thomas as saying, Justice, like lightning, should ever appear to few men ruin, but to all men fear. And here's the thing. That's the thing that Roy Thomas attributed to... Thomas Randolph, there seems to be relatively little reason why that is the case. The phrase appeared in an anonymous play called Swetnam the Woman Hater, which was a reference to Joseph Swetnam. This is in 1620, who wrote a series of pamphlets that were about how women are awful. And this was a play that was parodying him and kind of a rebuttal that was more pro-woman. And, you know, what passed for feminist in 1620. Now, there was a site that suspects that the play may have been written by Thomas Randolph, but that source also calls it Sweetman the Woman Hater, and that seems to have led some people to attribute the quote to Milo Sweetman. It's interesting because that quote, the one that Roy Thomas used and attributed to Thomas Randolph, was also used by Kurt Busiek for the, the comic book Thunderbolts. So, a little interesting backstory about that quote. It's odd that Tony Isabella has it based on a poem that Jefferson Pierce wrote that was inspired by Thomas Randolph. It's just really convoluted, and to me at least, fairly interesting. But what's really interesting to me 
is the book that was almost put out instead of Black Lightning. And I haven't been able to find out who the writer of this original book was supposed to have been. I am very curious. But in 1977, when DC decided they wanted to finally have a book that starred a black superhero, they came up with a very different idea than Black Lightning. They came up with a character called the Black Bomber, whose alter ego was a white racist guy who was exposed to some chemicals in Vietnam. And in times of stress, he transformed into a black superhero named the Black Bomber, whose costume was, as near as I can tell, and and this is from a lot of interviews with Tony Isabella and I think a couple other people, a variation on a Harlem Globetrotters uniform. Now, the editor who okayed that book left the company. I don't know who that editor is. I'm really curious. And when he did, they gave the book to Tony Isabella, and they're like, we're not really sure about this, but we do want to have a a black superhero character. Uh, We know you've worked on Power Man and then Black Goliath. Maybe you could put something together for us and, and finish this. There were two issues of the Black Bomber already scripted, and Tony Isabella got there and looked at them and apparently told them, are you sure you want your first black superhero to be a white racist? Which I think is a very good question to ask. The character apparently, also, when he would transform, he would have no recollection. They did not know about each other, the Black Bomber and the White Racist dude who turns into the Black Bomber. And they each had a girlfriend. The White Racist guy had a white girlfriend. The Black Bomber had a black girlfriend. And they knew about it, but they didn't tell them. Apparently, also, the White Racist guy... In each of the first two issues, and there were two that were fully scripted, it came up in each issue that he risked his life to save someone without clearly seeing who it was that he was saving. And when he found out that they were minorities that he was saving, he responded by making racial slurs and being disgusted with himself. So, yeah. That's the comic book that Tony Isabella walked into and then said, hey, Maybe we could do this instead. So, well, I will say that Black Lightning is not a perfect character. Wow, is he better than the Black Bomber. Conversely, I don't know if any of the scripts survived. I would really be interested to read some of those. I suspect they didn't. But there you have a little bit about the history of that. If you guys know more about this or have any sources that I could read that are about that particular incident... Golly, would I like to. Uh, you can contact me at ttwasteland at gmail.com. And if you have any thoughts in general uh, about the podcast that I've been putting out, please feel free to contact me there. I'd love to hear from you. Traveling Through the Bronze Age has a Facebook page. Be happy to hear from you through that. Really, however you can get in touch with me. Be happy to hear from you. And let's just wrap that up. That's the Black Lightning and the attendant issues that learning about Black Lightning brought up for me. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you. 
about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today.